Guys, guys, it's been a while. It's been a while. I was looking at Eurogamer.com and I saw a headline that I, I felt like I had to share with you guys. I had to, we had to talk about this. Orin, put your, put your fucking headphones back on. You're here I'm for sorry, this. I'm sorry, I was just getting... Uh, 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 Orin, this is a question for you. Okay. Would you eat a Pokemon? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Charmander might taste good. Yeah, like you go to a restaurant, they're like, we got Pikachu burgers. Would you do it? No, not Pikachu. Pikachu's Squirtle like a, soup? Pikachu's like a rat. I wouldn't eat Pikachu. No, he's like a chicken bear thing. I a think marmot. He's a, he's he, a marmot. He, he looks like if a Pikachu existed in real life, it would look like a rat. I guarantee you. Hmm. Or I like know, a bunny. Let me. Maybe a bunny. Pikachu. I don't know. I'm gonna see what animal people think Pikachu is. I would what eat kind Char. Of I would eat Pikachu. I would eat Charmander. <clears throat> if I feel like if I ate Bulbasaur, I would get like some weird sickness because it's like poison ivy or whatever. <clears throat> Yeah, Bulbasaur. You get some some bulbs in your throat. Yeah, like I feel like I would die from eating Bulbasaur, but I bet you Charmander tastes great. Charmander. Yeah, uh, maybe Squirtle would be uh, tasty. Uh, you'd have to cook it a lot to get all the juices out, but I would I not eat a good. Pokemon. Just, just saying. Why not? Uh, would you eat like a dog? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Would you eat like a, a animal that's not eat, eaten in your society? It's like a pet. Because it's like a pet. Imagine if you had a pet that you would throw out and have it fight people regularly, like a weird kind of, you know, oh, you mean underground like a animal fighting like a, like ring. Like a rooster? Yeah. You know, would you? Like a rooster. <laughs> um, we eat rooster. We eat chicken. Yeah. I don't know. It seems if, like I had, if I had like an, like an animal that I had an emotional attachment with, I'd have a hard time eating other creatures of that ilk myself. So pet squirtle. Like if I had like a pet no chicken, squirtle. I may have a hard time eating chicken or a pet cow. I probably would have a hard time with burgers. Yeah. You'd have a hard time keeping a pet cow at your place too. I don't, I don't think that's on your lease. No, I don't think that's even going to be <laughs> a, in the cards either way. But, uh, I don't think I'd eat Pokemon. They don't seem like they'd be good either. No. Like a Voltorb. Do, would you eat a Voltorb? Like uh, it's like a Pokeball. Would you eat, would you eat, uh, mag, what's his name? Magnetite? What's his name? I can't remember. It's been a what's while. What's the bird one? What's, there's a couple bird ones. There's a lot but, of uh, Pidgey. Pidgey's a bird. Pidgeon, oh. Pidgeon-y, Pidgeon-y. P- Pidgey, Pidgeot, Pidgeoto. There's also Zapdos <laughs> as a bird. There's Okay, uh, Zapdos I know for sure is, is is a character, but I don't know what the Pigeon one's called. Pidgey. Pidgey's Pidgey? the, no the like basic bird that's like in the grass that you fight. He's like barely a Pokemon. He's like a, he's like a okay. bird. So he, he's kind of like the weed of Pokemon. Yeah. Like, He's like, he's like a city rat. He's the basic Pokemon. It's like the first Pokemon you encounter when you go in the first area. Pidgey. Hmm. What Blue are the least. most beloved Pokemon? Of all time? Yeah. Charizard. I, mean, I know we got Pikachu. Charizard. Charizard? It's got to be That's Charizard. Pi- it's, it's Pikachu for sure. Of course. I mean, okay. Well, P- Pikachu yeah. and Charizard. The, the, I'm kind of going by monetary value because like, I think like a really nice preserved edition of a classic Charizard card, you can get like, you can basically pay off your student loans if you sell that. I have one. That. Oh, well, then do it. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a holographic one even. I should sell oh, it. Oh, nice. Huh. Yeah, you, you could get like a ton of money if it's in good, good condition, like uh, like way more than you would think, like thousands of dollars. Yeah, I looked into this once hmm. actually. It's worth a couple thousand, I think. Interesting. All right, so final final vote. Oren, you would eat a Pokemon. Kevin, you would not eat a Pokemon. Aaron, I would eat a Pokemon if if it was you know the right Pokemon. 
I'd probably eat a Pikachu, although apparently Pikachu is is kind of a mouse, so I don't know. I mean, Raichu, I'm thinking Marmot. evolved form is totally like a mouse. Oh, really? Yeah, like a Raichu. I think uh, I didn't really play that much Pokemon. Guys, it's been a while since we've met like this. How have you been? Good. Good. Uh, I was in Mexico for two and a half weeks. So. Or tell me about it. What yeah. happened in Mexico, man? We haven't even talked about this. Um, I, I just lived without video games for two and a half weeks. So it was very, very oh. interesting experience. I was like, wow, this is how a lot of people just live their lives, not playing video games. Like, to be fair, fuck? you had tacos and marijuana, right? Uh, or, or at least tacos. Uh, well, you know, fuck it. Yeah, a lot of marijuana, a lot of, a lot of cocktails, a lot of like <laughs> really cheap cocktails. It was a very yeah. unhealthy vacation, but it was, I, I, All right. it was great. Um, nice. Or, or, well. or in luck, com- confirmed marijuana and cocktail enjoyer. Uh, I can confirm half of that, but uh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, what what did you spend your time doing in, in these many weeks that we have have not talked? You and I don't ever talk. It's weird. It's, it's I know. You know it's, despite the fact we're related, we play video games together. We don't we don't say anything. It's really strange. Yeah, it's weird. We, why we get in Discord? Even I don't understand. Just I don't know why we sound. get a Discord. It's kind of awkward, you know. We're both weird. there with like our, our our things turned off. It's it's strange. Uh, as you know, I play a lot of World of Warcraft. Um, kind of giving mm-hmm. that a little hiatus now because we just spent a lot of time playing. Canceled your sub first I time did. in two years. Holy shit! I know. Hear that blizzard? Today's the day it uh, it expired too. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I I'm kind of like in between. Um, the way that I play games is like I kind of like we'll play a game and I kind of like get absorbed in it and the, in the world. And like, like if I'm playing like a FromSoft game, I'll like, Oh, I'm going to go play Dark Souls one, two and three to just like play them all. And just, that's what I do. I get kind of like obsessed with like that franchise, that developer and all that stuff. So I don't have that right now. I'm kind of waiting for something to either come out or something to grab my attention. So I've been playing kind of just a lot of games a little bit. Yeah. So, all right. That's what I've been uh, doing. That's cool. I went on a little a baby moon, as they call it. It's the last uh, the last vacation a couple gets before they have a, a permanent dependent for the rest of their life. <laughs> so we went to uh, we went to Montana, where where Oren lived for a brief bit. Let me tell you, driving in Montana, especially if you have a pretty fast car, that is a little bit like playing uh, like Forza Horizon in real life. You can drive real fast. The if you're in the right parts of Montana, the scenery is pretty spectacular. Uh, I, I very much actually enjoyed the driving, which I hate driving as I live in Los Angeles to so try not to ever drive. But driving Montana was pretty fun. I recommend driving Montana. We went to Glacier National Park, which was, oh, my God, incredible, like be- incredibly beautiful. Kind of blew my socks off. We then drove down to Yellowstone. We saw some hot springs, some geysers, some buffalo. I saw a bear. I saw a fucking bear. That was oh pretty God. cool. Uh, we quickly made a stop through Teton, saw two really, I guess, three gorgeous mountains. And uh, it's, it's a range, but there's three mas- magical peaks with snow on top of them. I get to walk in snow in July in Montana at the top of a glacier. That's uh, can't do that all the time. So that was a good trip. I also didn't play video games for like two weeks. Uh, then I came back and I uh, played a few games. So I don't know. Probably, probably talk about that. Uh, Oren, why did Jason Schreier cancel Knights of the Old Republic? Um, he was too busy watching Better Call Saul, and he was like, "Everyone should watch this show." Like he literally said that, and you should not be playing Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. You should be watching Better Call Saul. That's what Jason Trier said. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what what happened here is it sounds like Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, the remake, 
has been put on hiatus. It's been paused indefinitely. What happened? Can you can you tell me about this? Yeah, uh, it, it's it's kind of crazy what happened, but um, basically, the gist of it was um, the the lead developers at Aspire, who's making the game, they basically had a build of the game that they felt pretty confident in. They were like, okay, like time to present this to the board and, you know, like all of the investors or so to speak. And, um, yeah, apparently once they showed that cut, they fired all of the lead developers and then they put the game indefinitely on hiatus. Holy moly. Yeah. It was, it's a very brutal story. (laughs) So wait, (laughs) the, the, so they showed the build to the investors what happened and then they fired the dev team from uh, uh i'm so, kind of scanning the article again but i think it's just the, it's, i think it's just the leadership that got yeah fired but it was just um yeah here we go um according to bloomberg which you know is jason schreier texas texas-based studio aspire's recent internal demo of the star wars demo didn't land as well it could have with lucasfilm and sony this has led to aspire telling employees that the project would be put on pause and the company would look for new contracts and development opportunities. Additionally, Aspire fired the remix art director, Brad Pinson, Brad Prince and design director, Jason Miner, which is wow. pretty, that's pretty brutal. It's like, it's like being the head of a project. You're really proud of the vertical slice that you made. And then all of a sudden they're like, we don't want this. You're fired. It's, a, it's like, it's like someone taking your baby and throwing it out the window. Um, very brutal story. That's trippy. <clears throat> Aspire, hmm. I've never... <clears throat> I might be mistaken, but I, I've always known them as a company who does ports. Like, they port games to different platforms. So it's it's weird that they were developing a remake themselves. I'm surprised, I guess, that they didn't get a different developer to do it. Um, hmm. not, 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 no, I mean, no, no, no shade thrown at Aspire, but I just... I Yeah. <clears throat> I thought that was an interesting choice. But remake is kind of like a port. Like a enhanced port, right? Yeah. My guess also... is that they were too faithful to the original. Like they would, they they probably, oh. they probably. They, this is purely speculative. I have no evidence for this, but my guess is that they probably made just like a really faithful version of Knights of the Old Republic with like kind of the semi-turn-based combat, and maybe that is what made them go like, "This is not what we want." But I have no idea. That's purely speculative. Yeah, I wonder if the if this team who didn't like it was looking for something more like a Final Fantasy VII remake, like a total new game, you know, with AAA mm. polish and all that, and that wasn't what they were doing. Yeah. Hmm. That sucks. Still, yeah, that's a pretty brutal story. Um, it, it, unfortunately, like, to generalize this a little bit, but this is the kind of thing that you see in the games industry a lot. Like, you see people... Uh, work on something that they're passionate about and then that stuff is thrown out the window by the uh, publishers or the board and fortunately we have people like Jason Trier to report on this I think he alone almost single-handedly is kind of shed light on that so that's kind of but yeah it seems like it just keeps on turning this is a story that we keep ha- seeing happen despite our knowledge of it yeah that's a real bummer i i know from what i understand that i mean i played their ports of 
Um, so the PC version of Force Unleashed, way back when they did, which was playable at the time. I also played uh, the KOTOR ports on the modern consoles, which were fine. And then uh, the that was the Spire, I believe so. Yeah, and the, it was I forget they 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 on they you know what it was? It's Sith Republic. Excuse me, KOTOR two. They did the Steam version, which has like Steam Workshop support, five K resolution, all that good stuff. That's hmm. what I'm thinking of. And I also played Jedi Knight on consoles, Jedi Knight Academy and Outcast, which were fine ports. They were, you know. Okay. That's a bummer because I was looking forward to playing that game that way. I might, yeah. I'm actually somewhat interested in replaying the original version, so I might just stick with that. It's pretty, it's pretty good on a, a Series X or Series S mm-hmm. with the back compat stuff. Um, it's a bummer. Uh, once again, Jason Trier confirming from what he's heard based on rumors, GTA 6 is not going to be out to like 2025. That's 12 years between games. Are they are they competing with uh, Elder Scrolls and Bethesda to see who can make the biggest gap between open world games? Yeah, that's weird. I uh, I kind of feel like that. I just I feel GTA'd out right now, so I'm kind of think that that's not a bad move if other people feel similarly to I do. To kind of just like, well, this is a fun game type, but we've had a lot of them, and they've been milking. GTA Online for a long time, and I, the, the the concern I have is just that the game, when it comes out, it's going to have multiplayer that's going to be, I'm sure, more exploitative than Red Dead Online was. When I when I mean is the way that you have to grind for the in-game stuff. So I just I don't know. Maybe I'll play the single player. I'm not super interested. I guess I like GTA, but once they once GTA 4 came out, it just wasn't the same. I think they need to revamp their design philosophy for me to be totally on board with it. Um, I, I think I would still play it because, I don't know, Grand Theft Auto or a new Rockstar game is such an event that I'll probably find myself playing it anyway because everyone will be talking about it. There will be memes about it, like whatever. But mm. um, I do hope that they take a they modernize that game design a little bit because Red Dead Redemption 2, we've talked about it before on the podcast, but um, <laughs> it just it just felt like an old school, old designed open world game made in mm. 2018, but the design philosophy hadn't advanced since 2009. Uh, yeah, the so, mission design in particular. Yeah, so, I, so that's kind of what I hope. I hope it's not just... Uh, <laughs> formulaic like Red Dead Redemption 2 I hope they actually pay attention to how Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild have pushed the boundaries and uh, and you know yeah. e- even Ubisoft I feel like you know we talk about Assassin's Creed and also the Immortals Phoenix Rising game I feel like those games have modernized the open world a lot so mm-hmm. I, I hope that this game does it too and it's not yeah yeah I'd love to see them really, especially now that we have consoles with much stronger CPUs, like go for more depth of simulation, less Potemkin villages. So much of like a, a GTA game for me is, is this like facades of buildings that you can't interact with or go in and they just kind of basically form like walls. But, you know, they look like a city, but it doesn't really function like a city. I'd love to see some simulation that sort of simulates what a city does and you know imagine a, G- a gta game with like a real functioning subway system that's like part of the game world that that could be cool uh bodegas that you could go in and rob i don't know weird stuff 
probably won't get it, but that's or, just my pipe dream. Or, or like uh, Yakuza. Like, I, I think part of what makes Yakuza so great <laughs> is that there's so much stuff you can do in those games, but it's kind of like not a giant open world, but you can go play pool, you can like go to a bar, and you can d- participate in weird hijinks. Like, if you, when you play Red Dead Redemption 2, um, the depth of activities in that game are actually fairly small compared to Yakuza. Uh, mm. I think it'd be cool if they really paid attention to that more, but I don't know if they will. And and one other wish that I have that I know is not going to happen, but I think it would be cool if they did do something like this, but I would love to see them do a different art style for GTA 6, um, just because the whole realism thing has been done to death. Like, I think it would be cool if they did, like, a cel-shaded aesthetic or like a comic booky, comic booky aesthetic, something hmm. different. But I know they're not mm-hmm. going to do that. They're not going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I would like that too. I think, <clears throat> I think they should. I guess there's always been this like dichotomy of like Lensley Benzie's side of like sandbox goofiness, and then like the Hauser brothers were like this serious crime drama movie. I think they, in my opinion, they should like go away from the seriousness and go back to some of the like wackiness of like the old GTA games where you like steal a car and the guy's like asshole it's just like i don't know it's a little sillier and funnier i just that's the gta that i like i don't like this like hard-boiled satire of american capitalism it's so like oh everyone's so conflicted and dark and it's just like just i don't know i just it's dumb i just i I actually feel like it's not a satire of american capitalism if anything it's a satire of like pc culture like it's a very like 2014 2013 sensibility you know Like, uh, I, but yeah, you're right. I, I would kind of like them to was, just though. do. I feel like that. Yeah, I, I kind of want them to go back to to something sillier because, like, Red Dead Redemption Two was their like heavy, like HBO Max drama yeah. about that was like the capitalism decline of the West, decline of the American cowboy. Like, that was like their epic statement on all that. So I think it'd be cool if. They did something a little bit goofier, um, but not Fortnite aesthetic. Do not do the Fortnite aesthetic, please. Um, <laughs> I yeah. think, in my opinion, I think they're going to just make a GTA Five again with higher fidelity. They're not going to go Prob- into the heavy probably. system. It's going to be all about the narrative and the multiplayer transactions. and It's going to be all the things that we maybe are not as big on in those games. The only Rockstar game with scenarios I like was Red Dead 1 and 2. That's because it was like more of an earnest story and not like a dumb satire that was funny in 2005 yeah mm. <laughs> i don't know gta <laughs> i just think the tone is just it's just not there anymore it just doesn't work for me now i guess yeah we'll have to All see right. i'm sure yeah. whatever they do but i'm i'm gonna probably play it like i'd be oh, yeah. dilu- i'd be deluding myself if i said i wouldn't play it i mean they but, make uh, some of the best worlds in games there's no argument it's not even a debate. Right. They, they have some of the best yeah. fun ever. I'll have a good 50 to 80 hours of fun just driving around a, a Karuma in the world. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. So, yeah. Okay. What, what's, Orin- the, what's the best Rockstar game uh, without thinking about it? GTA 3. Red Dead 1. Yeah, maybe Red Dead 1. I'm going to say Red Dead 2 despite its problems. Yeah. I think Red Dead 2 is still the best. It's just that they need to update yeah. the game design. It's just like Red Dead 2 had moments of just beauty. 
in it that were just like jaw dropping like oh my god this is so atmospheric and wild yeah um, yeah so uh all right Oren, you're gonna have to tell me why it is that hbo warner brothers canceled batgirl uh, i see an article from ign written by ryan leston the batgirl cancellation why it happened the social media fallout and more you want to you tell us about this Oren? Yeah, this is such a weird story because it has greater implications for the streaming service industry, which has been, you know, so prevalent. Uh, It's crazy because they canceled Batgirl, like just out of nowhere, uh, Warner Brothers. And apparently the reason why they canceled the show is because of tax write downs. (laughs) Like that was that was the reason. And apparently... There's, they have a long list of shows and movies that they want to that they're thinking about canceling apparently because of tax write downs and mm. then and then on top of that HBO Max has been secretly removing shows like mm. like vinyl the Martin Scorsese McJagger produced show that only had one season as an example of a show that was just removed out of nowhere and then there were a bunch of others that were removed so a lot of people are kind of panicking a little bit just because if you if you're making content for a platform and then one, either one they just cancel it out of nowhere cuz it's in the studio's benefit to cancel it or the uh distributors uh and production companies and publishers uh, interest to cancel it but on top of that they they just remove it from the platform and that's like your only distributor Things there, there could just be stuff that's just not available anymore. Like, can you imagine just making a show and then all of a sudden it's just not on the platform that you made it for? It's like all of that work is gone. <laughs> like, you can't. It's like it just disappeared yeah. into the ether. Is there any, like, insight into why they would remove? I, I'm assuming. Did these things receive, like, Blu ray, DVD releases? Is there some kind of licensing issues or creative disputes between the creators uh, or different? rights owners like why would they remove stuff because it's not like they can't afford the storage you know yeah you know i'm not i can only speculate uh i was reading into it and i think it was just uh i guess it was just not worth it for hbo to just have that stuff on the platform Hmm. so which which it, it I guess the reason why this is such an interesting thing to talk about is because it kind of goes to show that these larger uh, these larger publishers and streaming services uh, it, it really is about like where it's really about the dollar you know it's like if it's not in their interest to have this show on the platform or if it's not in their interest to continue a show and it's actually beneficial for them to stop the show for a tax write down and and <laughs> like they're just willing to just scrap the show you know right <laughs> to, to be slightly charitable because i don't know what the situation i i wonder if batgirl because batgirl i think was a more lighthearted tone and it does seem like they're really taking the batman ip in this more dark gritty even r-rated kind of sensibility is it possible that like they felt like there was sort of a tonal mismatch you think have you seen any of the batgirl show it could have been tonal mismatch i'll, I'll actually uh, read this little insider quote here insider insiders say the leaders of the studio determined ultimately in spite of reshoots and increased budget that the movie simply did not work 
Um, that doesn't mean that Batgirl was a bad movie. Oh, I should specify mm-hmm. this is a movie, not not a TV show. My bad. Okay. It's just It's just that it wasn't considered to be a big enough film to justify a theatrical release. And it was just yeah. an increasing risk just to get its budget back. But then um, releasing the film on HBO Max wouldn't scratch the surface. Um, even a healthy subscriber increase wouldn't put a dent in that $100 million. Discovery decided to make Batgirl take the hit using the production as a tax write down. So, so that is interesting. Like what I what I'm gonna guess is that is that there was like maybe it was a good movie, but like there people didn't like the movie, right? Like ultimately, and felt like it wasn't gonna be a safe bet to make money. So the fact that they could cancel it, get some kind of tax write off, and, and recoup enough of their investment that they felt like that was a better hedge than releasing it is interesting. Um, I don't know. Like I have broader concerns about these streaming services, like starting off by you know being like look we're making these prestige scripted dramas and comedies and then like netflix does right netflix starts off with um arrested development and house of cards and now it's like all serial killer documentaries true crime like unscripted bullshit are very like low budget um docs that are kind of sleazy and cheesy and like I see a lot of that coming on to HBO. Actually, I recommended one, the the, the Chernobyl Chronicles, which was pretty good. But like, I, I worry more and more that like the shape of the industry is going to just be like, we're going to lure you in with the good stuff and then we're just going to fucking pump out crap and you're going to be stuck with it. Yeah, I I don't know. It's, it's so weird because this is so wrapped up in the uh, story of... Uh, um, yeah, within the past few weeks, at least six Warner Brother movies have been removed from HBO Max, including like The Witches and American Pickle, Moonshot, and it's like, it's just a very weird strategy for me to like one like cancel a movie like mid production because they're like ah, it's just not gonna like make enough money, and then two, just removing stuff from your streaming platform just almost arbitrarily. It just seems so. It just yeah. I don't know. Have, have you guys seen the show Barry? Like yeah, mm-hmm. Barry's great. Like like there's a there's a scene just completely out of context to context in Barry where it's like, oh yeah, we have to cancel the show because the algorithm, the algorithm told us yeah. to. It's like it's like it just no, seems like perfect. Let, like at what point? <clears throat> I think at what like I just don't see the point of it. Like why does everything have to be so dictated by just just the money i don't don't because that's that's the system we live in i mean it's worth (laughs) noting we are not experts on any of these things uh i should say for the disclosures i do a lot of work with uh warner brothers professionally but um yeah i don't know it's uh it's strange what that's true (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's true (laughs) i'm like kind of know exactly what's going on anyway um so uh it's my, strange. The Batgirl cancellation is very strange. It's a, such an odd thing. My only, it ju- it, yeah, it just it just goes to show that like these production companies, it really is just about like it, it like, it's all about just making the most money, and even if it means just dashing the hopes and dreams of people, or just throwing their work out the window. Oh yeah, totally, know? totally. A- anyway, sorry, I just steamrolled you, Kevin. What were you gonna say? It's all good. I just think uh, I've always had this feeling that, and this is just maybe just the product of the era I was born in, but I always feel like streaming services are very transient things and like things that you want, like especially Netflix. You want to watch something? It's like, is it on Netflix? Oh, it's, it was there last week. It's gone now. 
Yeah, you used to be able to watch the entire X-Files now, no longer. So I guess, like, I don't know. I, I feel like if there's something that you really like and you like to watch a lot, like, just buy it on physical media. I know, like, people don't like physical media. It's a pain in the ass. It's like, you know, we have to have this first world problem of, like, getting up and, like, opening a Blu-ray case and putting it in something and, like, this... You know, it's, it's annoying, but I just, I, I've always had this feeling. So to me, it doesn't, it's not surprising. I feel like this is like what I would expect to happen with these big services that are, I mean, I guess like, what are they going to do? Like have this massive archive of everything? Like, I think they'd be like the dream come true, but I don't think it's realistic. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess it's weird too, because it's just um, like when you're making stuff for HBO Max, which isn't, you know, or like Warner Brothers, and they're not really doing physical media releases as much anymore. Like you're just kind of beholden to them to keep your stuff on that platform, and it's yeah. and they can just decide to be like, oh, it's gone. <laughs> it's just yeah. so weird to me. It it is worth noting some of this stuff does get physical releases. I think a lot of the HBO stuff does, uh, which is is good. Uh, I don't know. It sucks. Like it goes, you go back to like the the seventies, Jordowski's Dune, same kind of shit. Like this has been a a problem with this industry for like our entire time, uh, my, our parents' entire lifetimes, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the same thing with the star Wars and that's the old Republic, yeah. just like creative differences between like what's profitable and what's interesting. And, and you look at a lot of cult classics that were not profitable, but like now where would cinema cinema be if we didn't get, you know, a fucking blade runner, right. A movie that made like no money. <clears throat> yeah. That kind of, uh, th- this is the last thing I'll say about this. Uh, James Gray, who's the director of like stuff like The Immigrant and Ad Astra and uh, a lot of good movies. He actually had a really good take on this on Twitter uh, around the Cannes Film Festival. I- I'm paraphrasing this a little bit, but he basically said like it's worth making new content that loses money to build a film culture because if you just make superhero movies or just movies that will make money and it's like oh yeah superhero movies are popular we got to make more of them like you're Mm. just kind of ruining the culture at that point like like there are so many movies that didn't make like blade runner great example a movie that didn't make money on release but has become so important to science fiction culture and it's just like it's worth it's worth taking risks on stuff and i think it's really shitty that the industry we live in is like oh this isn't gonna make money cancel it mid-production you know and that's a batgirl movie <laughs> you know yeah do you like, think that like, there's any superhero fatigue happening as well gosh, has that I happened yet so. i hope so I mean, oh yeah it's been non-stop superhero movies for like 15 years now like it's, it's gotta be it's gotta be oh, happening oh soon, i right? want to tell you guys i i saw the new thor movie in mexico because okay. i was waiting for my airbnb uh, to open up, man, that is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Just awful, awful movie. Uh, just like, like. But what about those those arms? Natalie Portman arms? Did you? <laughs> who cares? <It's> just <laughs> garbage. Just, Natalie so Portman good. and Thor. <laughs> Natalie Horrible. Portman's and Thor, and the the internet was obsessed for two days with her arms because they're. Uh, they, she was. I don't know. She had she had nice looking arms. Okay. It, it's fun. It's funny. I know. Like with she Star Thor? Wars. I know with Star Wars, a lot of people are like, okay, like after The Last Jedi or after Rise of Skywalker, it's like Star Wars needs to end. Like yeah. that, th- this yeah. new yeah. Th- this new Thor movie was like Marvel needs to end. This is an awful movie. Like just 
not funny. None of, none of the jokes land. It has one of the most offensive cancer subplots I've ever seen. Of not that I've seen a lot of cancer subplots, but like it is, it was like actively offensive how bad it was. Like the Thor movie hmm. was my Marvel needs to end moment. Like this cannot continue. Hmm. <laughs> All right, terrible <laughs> movie. Uh, Kevin, where are? all the games we've been promised next generation consoles high-end graphic cards both of which you know we both spent like a thousand dollars on graphic cards to play world of warcraft for two years uh (laughs) we we, um where the fucking games where are the fucking next gen games i don't know i think oren called it when he said covid i think that's true i think that's i think we're definitely seeing that i you know, we mentioned, like, I, at least I mentioned, I felt a little underwhelmed with the E3, not E3. It wasn't terrible, but there was definitely, like, a lot of times where I was, like, waiting for that big, like, AAA, like, holy fuck. And I just, it didn't seem like it happened. That, it did happen a little bit with Resident Evil 4. But it just seemed like it wasn't as much as I'd hoped. So it is, it is weird. I just want to mention, I'm looking at this list here, and they, and they say mm-hmm. Stalker 2, Chernobyl-based zombie FPS. What the f- Who wrote that? <laughs> is it a joke? That's like the most inaccurate describing of Stalker I've ever. Zombie FPS? What? (laughs) Yeah, zombie FPS is a little, a little. That is, I mean, there are zombies. I would never call it a zombie FPS. That sounds like Left 4 Dead or something. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Well, I'm gonna assume that that was like an intern. But uh, Stalker Two, that's that's a it's a heavy hitter next year. We got uh, Diablo Four, that could be good. Starfield. I have a good feeling. Uh, It's next year. I have a good feeling about that one. I think that'll be the, the graphics are good. I like that we saw. Yeah, uh, Baldur's Gate three, which has been in, it could be awesome. Definitely going to be Orange Game of the Year next year. Uh, Dude, well, that is—they've well, they, been it's, talking it's, about that game forever. It's in early access. You can play it now. That that I've ever, that game has been. It does seem like where are all the games for real? Like where mm-hmm. are all the games? I, I want I want them. It's true. Yeah. There's been a lot of games that we've been hearing about, and we have not gotten that many. It's it's evil right now. I'm expecting they'll announce Tekken eight. Oh something. yeah, that's what that's that's probably coming next year. Tekken eight. Yeah. Hopefully less juggling because I fucking hate that shit. I don't. But, I uh, wouldn't bet on it, sadly. But yeah, I wouldn't bet on it either. I would like that. <clears throat> this has I, been such a weird year for games because it just kind of feels like all of the games that were being delayed by COVID came out in February and March of this year, and like everyone just decided to release like an entire year's worth of games in two months. And now we're looking at the fall, and there's like nothing. It's just, it just. just what are you talking about? God wanna, of War? Come on, we got God of War. We got the Last of Us remake. I just want to mention Last of the Re- uh, Last of Us remake doesn't even count. Are you kidding me? That's like, <laughs> what do you think of? <laughs> I just want to mention how disappointment Halo Infinite was for me. I I just remember being very mm. hyped for that game for this year, and it was like, oh, it's coming out. It's gonna be like something good this year. And it just, it just. What about last year? Okay, you're right. My bad. <laughs> still, I'm still disappointed that. A year later or whatever, we don't have co-op. Come on, it's just oh, it's 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 almost there. Apparently, it's pretty fun too. Like you're gonna, we're gonna have to play it. We could play it now, no, we'll but it's in beta. Then. I don't want to play it in beta. Let's oh. play it when it's when it's done. yeah. Let's play it when it's released. Uh, I kind of I kind of wish they just delayed Halo Infinite for another like two years. They should have just released a, a completed game because I hate this like slow drip feed of content. I love how we're, we're like, where are all the games? And they're like, God, I wish they would delay. I wish they would have delayed Cyberpunk an extra three years. I wish they would have delayed Halo. I'm okay with that. I don't mind waiting if it's like I'd rather like have it be good when I play it the first time, like that initial first impression is good. Yeah. Than like have yeah. it play it and then have it come back because I just think that that it's like when you, you know when you meet someone and you start from the wrong foot. It's like there's always that's there. It's like you, you, you want to start strong. Yeah. You're like, oh. Hmm. 
Yeah. A good first impression is important. It's important. You know, you know what else too is, um, I just think, I think developers, instead of trying to put all of their eggs in one basket and make one massive game, like, I feel like we should go back to the model of just making, you know, kind of like double A, like eight hour campaign games that, you know, because like Rockstar used to do that, but now it's like they have to put all their eggs into the next GTA instead of making a bunch of smaller games in between. Yeah. And GTA it's, needs to be this like triple A technology piece that's like a serious movie at HBO level and like best graphics ever and like it has to be so many things. And it's like Yeah. Does it always have to be all these things? I don't know. Yeah, I kinda it, I wish mean, we just got like a manhunt, like a new Max Payne, like a new bully game. Even like a spin off. Are we like, getting I, a new Max Payne? What if what if like they a contracted developer to make like a new GTA like in the old engine? Like like a San Andreas like kind of game like a new one like, i would play that like that with that era graphics and stuff like 20 bucks like why not yeah like milk john IPs. carmack didn't make that engine so it's never gonna happen <laughs> it's true <Yeah. laughs> like that's the problem still making new quake and doom engine games because those are open yeah. source engines but these closed source engines nah yeah <sighs> yeah it's a shame um all right, Square Enix is looking to sell off the rest of its studios, and apparently, apparently, they're really just trying to get Sony to buy them or something. This is this is this is what I'm I'm hearing. I don't know. You guys have any thoughts about that? Square seems like a company that's just managed by people who maybe are a little out of touch. We'll say. Uh, yeah. No, no, they're managed by like monkeys in outer space. <clears throat> I I don't understand Square at all. Like Final Fantasy on my phone to buy it, it's like thirty bucks for the mobile version. It's like. Who you? Who you? Get out of here! Final Fantasy VII on my phone is like thirty dollars. Like, get, and they just, it just, they just seem like all they want to do is milk their core franchises because they have a, they have an audience who will spend the money on it, and everything else is just kind of like, we'll release it, maybe it'll be eh, whatever, but like it's like they just are so indebted and in, 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 just built into their their franchise with that core audience. The uh, the Disney game in Final Fantasy. What's the Disney game called? the name of it uh, kingdom hearts kingdom hearts yeah. i don't know i uh i'm not surprised like anything time like squares all in on nfts they're just like they're like <laughs> i don't know i i just Botched think out remakes, of touch. they are like, out of touch the chrono cross remake was like a total like yeah I, I like part of me is like i wish they would remake uh or, or even re-release xeno gears with like a fast forward button because that would make that game so much better but That's then a knowing what they've done that if they got bought by microsoft that'd be like okay maybe 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 this thing will go yeah. better, or or even but, even Sony. If Sony bought them, but Sony will be like, "You guys have full autonomy," because that's how Sony runs their studios. That's that's part of the success of, of Sony. Apparently, is that they mm. just give their studios time and money, and then can don't we just really mention? Can do. I mention one thing that's that wasn't mentioned on this, but I think it's related to the point you're making? Is that, that apparently uh, in Brazil they the, the the whole Microsoft purchase for uh, they're trying to buy um, Activision Blizzard. Sony said, like, oh, we think that Call of Duty is a franchise that's unique and will absolutely affect the console that people choose to buy. And Microsoft's like, no, it's not. It's like, there's a lot of franchises like this. I think Sony is completely right. It's ridiculous to say, like, that it's not. Call of Duty is, like, a massive, huge franchise. There's nothing like it, right? Like, it's a mm-hmm. it's a monster. So, <laughs> did you yeah. guys read that at all? Did you see that? I meant to, I no. meant to that article. Oh, okay. But I, I uh, it's interesting. I just wonder, like... I, the corporate consolidation thing, even though I do want Microsoft to get own them, I do feel like that's so they're gonna own so much. It's like 
The whole no, Microsoft industry. can't buy any anybody else. Yeah. Except from soft, just because that might fix their fucking might fix their ports. But um, yeah, it's it, it's a shrinking industry, really. It is. It is. Uh, but but then again, there is a growing indie scene, and there's there's a lot of I don't know. There is a lot of space now. Like like you guys were just saying how Grand Theft Auto games are so high budget and so big and so everything, everything, everything that there is kind of a lot of oxygen left over for people to do smaller projects that are more like things that came before. Uh, I'm going to talk about one of those today, but um, there's even like the ascent. It's so weird though, because it's like we, we live in this, in this space now where it's like, you either have to play like the small indie games or the mega triple a games. And I feel like there's nothing really in between. Like I, I want to see more of the in between, but Oh, or you want to see something in between? Sure. Do you, shut, do you do you, do you do you like pussy, Warren? Do you like <laughs> cats? Do you like little little kittens? Oh uh, well, okay, okay. I like this. What, what about a seven-hour game? <laughs> I like this. Where you play as a cat, and it's kind of like cat charted. You're kind of jumping from building to building. Not too dangerous. Nobody's shooting at you. But you know, you first you start off. You're hanging out with your uh, your your brood. What do you call a gang of cats? I don't know. Uh, your I'm family. Just really, I'm just really impressed with this transition right now. This yeah, is it's, a, a, great it's a good transition. It's a good one. Uh, so you you start off. You're a cute little ginger cat. You're hanging out with your family or your friends. You know, sleeping, chilling out. You get separated from your family and friends. All of a sudden, the huh? cats. It's called a clouder. A clouder. Yep. Uh, I wonder why people never say that. I wonder why that's not like just a word that people use all the time. It's not really. It's not really roll off the tongue. Uh, no, it's it's it rolls off the tongue like a fucking rusty nail. Yeah. But um. <laughs> hmm. So, Stray, talking about Stray, I know you guys can't play it because you, you ain't got no PlayStation. Uh, I have Stray Station. No, it's on PC, too. I thought it was on it. I'm surprised it's on PlayStation only, but it's on PS Now, so I didn't have to pay for this fucking game. Mm. Um, and I got to say, it's all right. It's all right. It's beautiful. It's a really good-looking game. Like, the, the city, the way light rolls off, like, the really beautiful lighting... Um, the cat moves very realistically, but it is cat charted. It, it, it's like you're doing uncharted type platforming, like very basic jump to button to button to jump, like, and uh, some light exploration and puzzle solving. No combat, thank God. The thing that's been interesting about this game is that, like, one, right, like my, my, my fiance, Mary, she's playing it right now. She, like, doesn't usually play video games, but she was immediately drawn to that. Um, I've shown it to some people who didn't play video games and they were immediately like, oh, I didn't know that they made games like that. Like, I, I, I didn't know you, there was a game where you could just play a cat. So it is kind of like, it's it's uh, it's kind of catnip for people who don't play games, eh? you know mm. what I'm saying? Mm. Um, but uh, Stray, you guys guess nobody's, you haven't played this, did you play it at all, Orn? No. Is this an Orn game? I, I, That's what I wanted I to don't, ask. I, don't, I like don't want to play it. I, I've, seen, I've seen gameplay footage of it and it looks really pretty, but I just know that I'll pick it up and play it for like 15 minutes and be like, that's cool. And that's it. <laughs> but, or it is a it is a double A seven hour game with triple A graphics. I think the Ascent is another game that was like that's why I mentioned that. Yeah. Double A game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in the surge, the, I, I want more there? like uh, I'm trying to think I'm kind of thinking like an Alan Wake kind of game. You know what I mean? Like. I want to see more of those types of games. Like, I think Stray is cool, and I'm glad it exists, but it's just not an Orin game. Yeah. It's not a Kevin game. I think Cat's overrated. 
Honestly, I don't think it's an Aaron game, but uh, I, I'm I, I'm fortunate well to have made. played it. It is well made. It, it it's like very pretty. Like, I think uh, if you like cats, it's f- definitely worth playing. From what I can tell. Yeah, <laughs> if I've you like cats, if you like cats, have at it. Yeah, or or if you yeah, if you're trying to get someone interested in video games, or you know someone who's interested yeah. in trying video games, but like wants something that's not it's not a violent game. It's you know it's it, it's it's cute. It's fun. It's got the exploration. So I played like some Stray. Uh, I haven't found a yarn ball yet. Actually, that might be like a really physically challenging thing to uh, render. I don't know. Uh, I, there's no yarn balls. There's like buckets. There's uh, barrels. There's cats. There's things you can scratch. Carpet posts. You know, stuff like that. Mitch Hedberg said uh, that the yarn ball is actually a genius toy that cats figured out that humans just haven't figured out how to use yet. It didn't need to be changed into anything. Uh, Grandma, give me a scarf. Uh, what? I don't know. That's what you do. Yarn. You, you you knit, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so is this so, like actually like a video game, or is it more like a walking simulator? Like it's, it's like Uncharted. That's it. It's like Uncharted. It's like you do the platforming and the puzzling, but none of the shooting. So, Sounds on this boring. topic, I <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, is this the, this the would you say that game is accurate to the style of the Annapurna games? Because I haven't played, and I know it's Annapurna. I'm just is that an intentional pun? I don't think so. But is the, is that is that um, accurate to their games? Are they usually like this style? Annapurna. I don't know what else have I played that was Annapurna. Have I don't, you, have you I played can't tell you a single game. Um, gosh, I can't even remember what their library is. I, I feel like I have. But let me uh, quickly uh, we got pull it up. Lost really Wild, Ashen. I haven't Edith played Finch. any of these games. Edith Finch is one. Edith Finch is incredible. Edith so Finch is Ashen, like one of, the, one of is the, games. the best walking sim. Yeah. Uh, 12 minutes. Well, Stanley Parable. Solar. Oh, okay, yeah. So Stanley Parable. Fin- Edith Finch no, no. was like their first one. Oh, 12 oh, wait, minutes. Oh, oh, wait. They did um, Gone okay. Home. Outer Wilds. Oh, uh, well, okay. Sure. Outer Wilds is pretty like, Outer Wilds is one of the best. Yeah. Also did, you know, I actually thought 12 Minutes was fun, even though it had a billion problems. And everyone hated, I hated that, game. that game. But yeah, I'm glad that you liked <laughs> Tw- it. 12 Minutes was my worst game of last year. Journey? <laughs> they made Journey? So they do So they do have the indie style where yeah. they have heavy presentation. Uh, oh, I still got to play are... Solar Ash. I feel like I'd like Solar Ash. I just never played it. Maybe, you know what? Maybe I'll sell Maybe I'll download it. So wait, 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 wait. Just question, though, on this topic. Is Edith Finch better than Stanley Parable? I haven't played hmm. Edith Finch, Finch, I think, but I played them both. Yes, I, I think Edith Finch is better than Stanley Parable. I'm not sure what Stanley I think. Oh, okay. have you played Edith Finch? I, pl- I played them both. I should, I should you should play, play Edith Finch. It's, it's definitely Edith, really it's, good. it's it's a four hour game, so you, yeah, it's, it's like one it's, of those sit down for the afternoon to play it. I think it's even on um, Game Pass. Uh, game Pass. So I don't know what I think's better. I think they're both like the two best. I don't know if I can pick one. Edith Finch is really spectacular. I think so. Is like, Stanley Parable. So it's goes places yeah, that it's just hard. like it's I've hard. never seen games ever do. It was just like holy shit, man! This did, is did Edith Finch play... brought a tear to my eye. That's just, no other game's done that. So did you guys play the sequel to Stanley Parable yet? No, I yet. have it. I have played a bit of it. Yeah, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. The the, the sequel is so good. Mm. <laughs> Stanley like... Parable is incredible. Yeah, yeah. Stanley Parable is really good. Um, so yeah, Stray. I don't know. It, honestly. Gorgeous! It's 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 fucking cat charted. Maybe there's more to it than that. It's got some puzzles, it's got some stuff. It's got a little bit of non-linear exploration, but mostly pretty linear stuff. Had really good um, it's got a story. It's got a, but the story is is uh, not as heavy-handed as uh, Uncharted, but it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. What, Kev? 
It had really good graphics. I was impressed by the graphics. The graphics are very good. Like like uh, it's sitting there playing it like on a seventy seven inch OLED. Just whoa, this is gorgeous. And you know, no HUD, right? Because cat doesn't have fucking HUD. Um, mm-hmm. As so, an amateur like, Unreal mess arounder yeah. person, I've definitely tried doing some of the material stuff, and they did. I can just tell looking at that game, it's like this person, these guys, know what they're doing. It's very skilled. Are they are they AAA like, devs who made an indie studio? Oh, I have no idea. Because that's what that's what the ascent is, and that's why the graphics are so good in that game. They have professional artists who worked on AAA games. Yeah. So, because I because that also game Unreal Engine Four. Yeah, but still, it's it's impressive. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Oren, you talk about you want seven and eight hour games. You want games that are bite sized that can give you an experience, and and don't take up too much of your time, right? Uh. Sure. What about a one-hour game? A one-hour game um, that is that is atmospheric, thrilling, has a cohesive beginning, middle, and end, and keeps you tense and, and on the edge of your seat for the whole you know sixty to eighty minutes tops. Binding of Isaac. Uh, that is no, not a one-hour. I game. have no That's idea like a what nine hundred-hour game. game. What, what game is it? Uh, this is Iron Lung Iron by Lung. Uh, the same developer who did Dusk, David Sismansky. Is that his name? Kevin? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a game he put out in March this year. It's a it's a roughly a one hour game. It's a very very simplistic game. You basically it takes place far far in the future towards the heat death of the universe, and you're in a submarine on a planet trying to find stuff. So like you you only have two controls, and it's entirely diegetic HUD. Like so, you just press buttons on the submarine. You can turn your ship left and right 360 degrees. And you can go forward and backward. And that's all you can do. Oh, and it's a horror a game? Yeah. Oh. You have a map with coordinates on it. And you you just move your submarine. And you have to learn how to navigate your submarine through these ca- this complex cave system. And find different points and take photos of them. And as you get through, go deeper and deeper into the game, like it ratchets up the pressure in really interesting and creative ways. Um, and it took me about, yeah, like about 70 minutes to beat the game. Um, and I was thoroughly satisfied when I beat it. What do you think of a one-hour game, Orin? Huh, maybe I should try it. I, I did not know anything about this game until you brought it up. This is, like, this. all new to me. <laughs> it looks good. I like the graphic style, too. Oh, uh, Markiplier just made a video on it. Like, okay, not just, but, like, two two months ago. Yeah, it came out this year. It's, it came out in March. Um, I, I guess David Simansky. I can't. I don't know. Why I can't say his name right. But he has made a handful of these short games where it seems like he's kind of testing this stuff. Like again, it's a one-hour game. It's extremely well-paced, and like the story is delivered entirely during the gameplay, through the gameplay, and it's a, there's a very clear narrative and a very you know chilling narrative going on while you're playing the game. There's some really great moments that happen that just like throw a wrench like because what you're doing is you're navigating through like a cave system right like i said like you only have basically two sets of controls you can go forward or backward or you can rotate 360 degrees so you have to use a map and read the map in real time and use your own brain to figure out the coordinates how you're moving from one set of coordinates to another and that's it that's like all the gameplay but like with that there's just this tense like story that develops of you exploring these caves and taking photos at these different sites and discovering new information and I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. Oh, this game looks really interesting. 
Very cool. Yeah, I'm just like looking at footage right now. Huh. Maybe I'll just watch uh, the Markiplier video on it because I'm a loser. I'm kidding. Yeah, it's a. I recommend playing it because, like, as I said, it's a one-hour game, but there's there is a real experience of like getting good at the core mechanics, which sound very basic, but like you doing the the map navigation is actually becomes really rewarding, and you kind of get yourself through one tight passage to another. You're like, oh hell yeah, I just did that because you're doing it blind. You can't see outside of your sub. You can only take a photo outside of the sub and get this really murky. Like it looks like a black metal album cover kind of photo of like what's at the bottom of the ocean. Huh. And like you said, it's horror. So like, can you die in it or like? Oh, you can die. Yeah. You can die. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think short horror games are great. Um, Oftentimes, horror can overstay its welcome if it's if they expose the thing too soon, and then it's just kind of someone running away for a long period of time or fighting for a long period of time. So I think for a horror game, it's really. When I, I was this game I remember playing called I'm Scared, in one word, in 2013, 2014. Which I think they actually released off the full version on Steam now, and I'm looking at it. But that's a similar thing. It's like a one-hour game. Like you can beat it in one hour. But the whole time is full of atmospheric moments and cool, cool stuff like that. Hmm. That's a great point that I hadn't actually considered. Um, yeah, short horror is the way to go. Be, like, yeah. This is the, the one criticism everybody has of... Uh, Alien Isolation that it's too long. It's like a 20-hour game. If that game had been five hours, maybe it would have been fucking 10 out of 10. Um, yeah, that I don't know. This game really worked for me. It's a $6 game on Steam, so you're paying about a dollar for every 10 minutes or so. Uh, I highly recommend it. Really, really enjoyed it. It, it, it. Like I started playing, and I was like, what the fuck is this at first? Because <laughs> I'm just like twiddling knobs, right? And I'm like, what is going on? And as soon as it clicks what you're doing and how you do it and you start executing on it, it, it just feels great. Mm -hmm. alright I'll I'll check it out this sounds really interesting it might be a a Kevin game too I do like uh, like the developer a lot so yeah Um, if we we all remember my game of the year 2018 was Dusk so yeah Yeah. wait it wasn't Hitman 2 no (laughs) oh man Uh, man speaking of Hitman what's what's uh, this is a forbidden topic so to all those that we have promised not to talk about it, uh, we will be sending you money in the mail. Uh, Oren, quickly <laughs> tell me about Ambrose Island. Uh, so the one thing that I played since coming back from Mexico was the Hitman 3 DLC, Ambrose Island. Uh, free DLC content for Hitman 3. Um, and it, it's cool. It's like a, um, a little island level in Indonesia, and you can get dressed as a pirate and kill people. And it's 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 more Hitman. I don't really think it's um, anything special, to be honest. Like it's nowhere near the best Hitman level, but it's it's also Paris? not like the worst one. Like it's a pretty mid Hitman three level. But okay, I, I I had fun with it. I don't. I'm kind of getting to the point with Hitman where I feel like they should just kind of let it die at this point <laughs> i know that sounds weird as a big hitman 3 fan but i kind of mm. i kind of want to see them i kind of just want to play this 007 game that they're working on um i think like uh they really have been pushing they they've been pushing this hitman 3 this hitman train for like six years now seven years and it's been a it's been a bash but I think it's starting to peter out a little bit, and I think it might be time for them to move on to something else. 
Um, but it's still fun. I'm still having a blast with it. I just don't. It's just kind of, I'm just having a moment of self-reflection where I think as great as Hitman is, I think it might be time for them to close the book on it for now. Did you try the, uh, the like remix mode, the like roguelite kind of mode that they had, or is that not out yet? Um, they haven't done the freelancer mode yet, but they do have that elusive target mode, which is like a roguelite and, uh, Mm. It's all right. Uh, I do want to try their freelancer mode. I'm sure I would have fun with that. But um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like they're not really doing enough to shake up the formula at this point in a way that is enticing me to play it like extensively, like I used to. But mm-hmm. but it is it, it is fun. But also, I kind of want to see what they do next. Does that make sense? It's kind it's kind of like. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like yeah, playing like it. another Dark Souls game. It's like, okay, I want to see you do something else from Soft. Like this Dark Souls game is cool, but I want to see something new. I'm kind of starting to get that a little bit with Hitman. I, th- I think I'm yeah. a little full. That's but, fair. But it's still great. I mean, like Hitman Three is top three favorite games of the current decade. So mm. it's I, I fucking love that game. It's probably like my most played single player game of the decade currently. But yeah, I'm starting to get to that point where I'm getting a little full. But Ambrose Island is fun. If you just want a small little island that where you could dress as a pirate and kill people and there's fun hijinks to be had and it's kind of immersive, it, it, it's a good level. I'd probably give the level overall like a seven out of ten. It's good. Hmm. All right. Kevin, sometimes it's nice to build things up, but other times you got to tear them down. You do, and it's very satisfying to tear them down. Um, that's really the only game that I've been playing that I would wanted to mention on the pod was uh, was Tear Down, which is a voxel rendered sandbox physics game. Um, with and the whole game is ray traced. There's no not having ray tracing. Which I didn't even realize at first it had ray tracing. I was just playing it and I was like, man, the lighting looks good in this game. Like, it looks like <laughs> believable. And I, I, it's also hard to run. I have a powerful gaming PC and it, it um, when you start really tearing shit up, it's uh, tricky. Anyways, uh, the game is, everything's built in this somewhat realistic, even though it's rendered with voxels way. So it's kind of almost like a successor in a way to Red Faction Guerrilla, which was, I, a lot of people talk about was like this game where you could destroy buildings. And I really liked that about that game. It was like, it's this, uh, game where you could just kind of destroy every little bit of everything. Um, but this game, the the main way you play the game is uh, you get emails and they kind of give you a task, and it's almost like a heist sort of game where you'll like you'll have to like grab like an object in one of the houses, but the houses are locked. So like you have to like find a way to like like you have a hammer, you can like smash through the wall, or you can like drive a car in, or you can like you know the missions get more and more complicated as you play it um, as the heists hmm. become more. Con- There's even like security systems that eventually happens. So you have to like kind of plan your route quickly grab the stuff and then get out uh it's pretty cool there's no combat or anything um it's all about basically like breaking breaking and entering and leaving it's the whole gameplay loop outside of the second mode which is just a sandbox mode where you can just kind of do it your heart's content you can destroy whatever you like or just really stress the physics engine as much as possible um i'm really enjoying it it's by uh, tuxedo labs um, when i was playing it i kept getting just like it just made me think of scandinavia and it turns out scandinavian developer so makes sense But yeah, I, I'd say we're checking out. It looks, okay. it looks cool. I don't think I've only ever on seen better fire 
uh, burning in a video game. Like I, I started oh, a fire God. in a house and the smoke like was like the way it realistically accumulates in the place. Like I've never seen smoke like ever in a game like that. Even mm. the destruction I think is the best I've ever seen in a game. It's like very, is impressive. it co-op? No, it's a multiplayer. Oh, I'm gonna have to get that. Uh, but I mean, I got to use this 3080, right? Yeah. Or something. It's fun. Like it's fun to play the story mode. The story kind of comes out slowly in these emails. Like it looks like you work for this kind of like repo order. You like you at the Stevery company where you steal stuff for people. Um, I haven't hmm. played. I've only done about six. Well, I've done about five or six of the story missions. I honestly just spend a lot of time in the, in the sandbox mode, just smashing stuff. I really like doing that. It's fun to just see how everything. I'm a big fan of Gary's mod. I just love physics sandbox games. Like I just, I'm not sure why the mechanics of that is just like this adult, <laughs> you know, grown up to- toy box. So it's just really fun. I just, yeah, I don't know. I've been, I've been enjoying it a lot. It's also fun to see how much it tears on my computer part. It really does. I think Aaron, you should <laughs> yeah, try it with, your, it with your 3080. See how you, that runs for you. Cause, you, cause the ray I, I just clicked buy on steam right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to download it while we're recording the pod, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm like, Oh, I got to get this. Uh, I love voxels. I love ray tracing. I love wrecking shit. So You'll like I it. think, uh, I think it's this triple threat right here. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Anything else you want to say about that game? Um, it also has extensive mod support. Um, there's a steam workshop. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of really, f- I was playing a level that someone made where it takes place on like an airliner. And like, yeah. I was, I had another one where I had a minigun and you can like, I was like trying to shoot apart the plane and like see how it like detaches and falls apart in midair into the water. Hmm. It's really interesting. It's like, you can like shoot the engine apart and like the wings will fall off. Like the way the physics all happen is very, uh, exp- impressive. Like it's a very, like, the programmer is, must be extremely skilled. I've never seen, like I said, physics of this nature. So hmm. really cool. Okay. That sounds, that sounds really awesome. It's kind of like paradigmatic of like what's going on in the pc space these days like you know 15 years ago you're getting crisis like these crazy expensive graphical tech pieces now it's like crazy simulation games that look like they came out in 1998 but with insane ray tracing lighting uh i dig it i dig it yeah. a lot uh guys i gotta say uh i went and i tried as dusk falls our uh comic book looking french developed X Quantum Quantic Dream developer uh, da- da- David Cage David Cage not involved uh, but but David but uh, I played about an hour and a half of this game and I was like okay so I, I start playing it I launch it up right and Mary's sitting next to me and she's like oh my god turn that off right now she did not like the way it looked but more than anything it's a game that uses a cursor an in-game cursor and the game refreshes at 30 frames per second, no. which uh, which is basically like seventh circle of hell kind of stuff. Yeah. Even yeah. Mary, who doesn't play video games, was just like, no, stop, stop, stop. And so I was like, OK, so I didn't play it for a couple of days and I picked it up again last night. And I'm really glad that I did, because as soon as I started playing it, it took me a minute to get over these like like photo because they're like drawn over photographs, like all of the actors, I think, did a performance and they photographed them and then they painted them into these scenes so it looks like a comic book. And for the first five minutes, I was like very distracted by that and did not like that. And then I was I was in the story and I was like, oh, this story is like good. Like this is some deft storytelling. And then now I'm like, I played it for like really? an hour and a half. I got to a part where it started to get really good. And I was like, okay, I need to go to bed because it's like three o'clock in the morning and I got to go to a thing tomorrow and I got to do a podcast. And now that's the game I most want to play. So what? This is so this yeah, is crazy to me. This is like this game looked just just previewed previewed horribly in my opinion. So I'm shocked to hear that it's actually good. 
It's so, actually it's gotten very good reviews too. What were you gonna say, Kevin? Uh, is it a game that you have control over the narrative? Yes. So it's, I love uh, video games that are mechanically straightforward, where you have control of the narrative. It's like the opposite of 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 a lot of games that I do like, but I think that's such a cool thing about these games where you can like choose where the story goes and like how things mm-hmm. play out. I love that. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I don't know if it's like Telltale or not, but it's 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 like that old school style of the adventure game, the mm-hmm. Quantic Dream games, where like you have to make a decision. You go, you know, you go talk to Larry outside, or you stay with Bertha <laughs> at the diner, whatever. And like, it's got branching pathways. Um, from from the hour and a half I played of it, I was like, oh, this is this is fucking good. This is this is really good. Like it took me, like I said, get the weird cursor moving to 30 frames per second. That's off putting. The visual style takes a moment to get used to, but then it gets better. It might just be that like the main character that it starts the game with is like a little doofy looking and he's like wearing a white phoenix. It's kind of wrinkled and you're like, what's going on? But I think that's kind of character <laughs> painting. I don't know. I recommend it. It is on Game Pass. Uh, you can also play it with a friend. Like one person uses their phone to like help control the narrative. So you guys, I think, I don't know how it works. I'm gonna try this tomorrow maybe, but there's a way to play it like cooperatively, I believe, and you can, you can use a phone, you can use a controller. It seems really cool. I, I and then I went and looked like, like it's, reviews are pretty strong for it. So it's, it seems like it's, it's a good game. Interesting. What's the, maybe what's it, the maybe genre of, not of the gameplay, but of like the story? Is it like a drama or is it like? It's like a dramatic thriller, thriller okay. thing, like a thriller. Yeah, yeah, like thriller. It's not horror, but it's uh, but it's definitely like a tense, like like bad shits happening. People are dealing with challenging conflicts, cool. and it's tense, right? Um, yeah. Nice. So Kevin says, "Oops, I forgot to say that I've been playing The Quarry, another one of these games." Tell me about it, Kevin. Yeah, I'm not sure how I forgot because I, I really really like this game a lot. I this is another super massive game, uh, like Until Dawn and the Dark Picture Anthologies games. I buy all their games. I love them all. I think they're amazing. Um, I think this one might be their best one. I think you, I, I oh. don't know if it's their best one, but I think you could make a pretty good case that it is. Um, they've they've always followed a similar trope of their own, which I'm not going to mention, in all of their games that they subverted in this game strongly which was like what the fuck like it was like totally i didn't expect that so this game seems to be um they also are less reliant on jump scares which they've always kind of used a lot of cheap scares which i think were fine but they didn't always feel earned jump scares can be a little cheap in my opinion even though i do like them um this game really cut those back a lot and um is a, is a of grander scale and also, I feel like the it's so the dark picture games are like they're <coughs> games with, with Bandai Namco. They're a little lower budget. They're great. And they're and they're smaller bite sized chunks. This is a more big until dawn like full production game, like published by Two um, K. Um, it has uh, it has God. What is that actor's name? I can never remember his goddamn name. They always get actors who are like you haven't seen for a while. It's like oh, I remember him from like two thousand. It's been it's been a while. <laughs> But uh, I I can't remember I can't remember his name is but um, I like all the actors like all the characters the graphics are quite good um, it does have like small moments of um, what's that what's the valley called the valley of something when someone looks real but doesn't uncanny play. valley uncanny oh, valley yeah. uncanny valley it has that they all their games have that a tiny bit this game has it probably the least it's noticeably I was playing through it a second time so I beat the game but some characters died. It, basically in the final act in a way that I was unsatisfied with. So I'm like, oh my God, I can't have the game end like this. And and you can't go back. When a decision happens, someone dies, you have to keep going. Mm. So I 
my initial way that I play these games, I, I like to try and save everyone and then go through the game the next time, like full chaos, like just have it just everything go horribly wrong. Um, yeah. I failed in this, in this case and three people died. No, no, four people died. So I oh need to uh, <laughs> to go back and, and do it again. You need to redeem again. yourself. Yeah, exactly. David um, Arquette, by the way, is who you're talking David about. David Arquette, thank you. Um, I, uh, I unfortunately... Um, um, God, I was probably not even say about that. <laughs> I <laughs> David Arquette threw me off. Oh yeah, I unfortunately had figured out the story early on. Um, I, I, I sometimes usually I don't figure the story out in these games so early, but I felt, figured out in this one a little sooner than I had, and it was I was mostly right. So I'm kind of like oh, I felt a little predictable, but I like the story. I like where it went, and I like the presentation of it all. So like I, if you like supermassive games, it's probably their best one. Um, if you haven't played a supermassive game. It's probably the one to play because it's probably their best one. So, I'd say it's uh, definitely worth a try. I got it for forty bucks on Steam, and uh, played it on my laptop and looked real pretty, ran real nice. Um, mechanically, it's a little easier. The quick time events are e- easier than they've ever been, which is nice because they're a little more. They were and until dawn in particular, they're they're pretty tricky. Actually, they're harder than the Dark Pictures games too. So this game, they're a little more straightforward, which is nice, I think. So, check it out. If you like awesome. horror games, uh, and by, by the way, sorry guys, if you heard my phone ringing, that was the weird noise in the background. My bad. I didn't actually. No, we didn't, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure your microphone did. So yeah, so just want to say that in case people are like, "Why is my phone ringing?" Wow, what a what a pro! This guy doesn't turn his phone to silent cheese. Oh my gosh, we, we've all done it. We've all done it. We've all done it. Don't worry. But again, it's uh, like I, uh, I can't I can't believe the quarry is like the best one. That's crazy. I might have to wa- play it then. You should play it. I think they're like. The, the description I gave of the other game, um, which was the uh, military one, the Dark Pictures game, I think is perfect for this game, too. It's like watching a horror movie that, even if you've seen it once, you don't know what's going to happen, so it's still tense because the way things play out can be different. So, like, mm-hmm. a horror movie you can control, I think, is a really cool concept, and it's exactly what this game is. So, hmm. I'd say worth it. Especially if you're going to play something like with your significant other or a friend. It's particularly fun with like, when you have people with you. You can kind of like ask, like, "Oh, what should I do here?" And like, they can you can kind of mm-hmm. talk about it, and yeah. And I think they intentionally write some of the characters to make be made fun of, like, so you can kind of like be like, "What a fool!" That's like you know, like you can make them do stupid things or like say dumb things, which is fun. It's it's, it's they're, they're fun experiences. That's Re- awesome. Recommended. Highly recommended this game. Really liked it. All right, I I want to check it out. I, I definitely I'm definitely gonna play as Dusk Falls with with my partner, and then. Uh, if I can get her past the, the 30 hertz cursor movement, she might freak out about that. But um, yeah, then I don't know if she'll play the quarry with me. That's the one thing. It's because it's, it's it's gory, right? Uh, it does have some gore. It's not as gory as Until Dawn or the other games, but it definitely does have it. It definitely does. Okay. But um, like uh, my girlfriend didn't play. She just watched. She doesn't like playing scary games because it makes her too freaked out. But she does love watching horror movies, and this is a great game to watch. It's like it's as good to watch as it is to play because a lot of time mm. is spent watching. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I should, I should well, check it out. This is, to me, this is like oh. opposite podcast right now. It's like Can I mention the Quarry and Ask Us Falls, games that I wouldn't normally play that are good. You should so. play it, Oren. This one you should play in particular because all these games have a narrator. Um, oh, okay. Um, uh, and this game's narrator is... Sarah Palmer from Twin Peaks, Grace ah. Sabrisky. Yeah. So, and <laughs> she does awesome. a great job with it. 
too. Like she's a really good character in this game. Like I really like her character as a narrator. So uh, hmm. that's awesome. It. Yeah, that is pretty. I, I rewatched uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me last week. Oof. That movie is just a death spiral. That's a <laughs> that brutal movie. movie. It's such yeah. a brutal movie. Like, oh my god! <laughs> I have to rewatch. So I, I yeah. Well, anyway, uh, all right, guys. Last time we had a podcast, a proper podcast. Uh, Kevin and I talked about how I was saying that Oblivion is a great game with an even better soundtrack. Right? Not that Oblivion's a bad game. I think Oblivion's like a groundbreaking work of art, but the soundtrack is just so good. Today, we're going to talk about a few games from our pasts that had soundtracks that were just more memorable than the game. The game wasn't necessarily bad, but maybe the game is mediocre, maybe the game is bad. But the soundtrack like left an indelible mark on us, or at least on me. Maybe we just thought it was better than the game. But uh, that's our topic this week. Oren promised some real, some real hot take troll shit. So, Oren, I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, I have the track ready. Are you ready? Okay, this is the Fable original theme by Danny Elfman. So. Yep. Dramatic. <laughs> this is classic. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Dude, the little kid looks like little, little guts, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he does. I like the uh, the mirrored image of him. Though. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's good. Uh, All right. Tell us about it, Oren. What's what's your history with this? So, uh, Fable is a it's a fabled game, Fam- famous fabled game. Lol. <laughs> Lol. Uh, that was considered by many people to be a huge disappointment when it came out because the uh, lead designer Peter Molyneux overpromised. And uh, he actually said the game would give you a hand job. Strange, but that's that was a promise he made. <laughs> anyway, this uh, the game itself is fine. Like it's like a good action adventure game, but what made the game really memorable to me was just the overall presentation, but specifically the original theme by Danny Elfman, which promised this epic Skyrim esque adventure, which didn't exist at the time, and uh, it didn't. It, it fell short. But the presentation and the soundtrack really were memorable. So uh, it really sold this idea that you were playing the next big RPG, even though the game was not that. Awesome. Hmm. Awesome. All right. That's that is uh, I, I never actually played more than a few minutes of that game because it was in my mind after so much hype, such a letdown. But um, that, that's some cool music. Danny Elfman. I mean, heavy hitter, right? Oh, yeah. Not, not not exactly, you know, an unknown. Not a lightweight. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oingo, all right. Boingo, uh, and all of them. Should we, should, should we just round robin this? Yeah, that probably makes sure, sense. Yeah. Okay. Kevin, Kevin. All right. Uh, I will link mine now. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. That's, I didn't even think about this, but that's, that's a great, that's a great choice. Yeah. Um, that's great, actually gr- yeah, great that's, choice that I disagree with, but still a great, great <laughs> choice. Oren's like, that's a great game. That's a great game. It, it is a great game. What like it's, it. the, it's uh, the best Far Cry game. <laughs> the best Far Cry. It's eight hours long. Uh, <laughs> so 
So Far Cry 3 Blood okay. Dragon's main theme. The reprised version, in my opinion, is better than the original main theme. Which it plays me in the end. Oh, it's just yeah. the it's like the oh. epitome of like uh, 80s Hollywood. Just big Dude. epic. Love it. Yeah. And it just builds. The synth so drums. Yeah. Yeah, this is so much better than the game. Even though the game is pretty cool. It like, is a good I game. I, so I like this game, by the way, just for the record. I think it probably is the best yeah. Far Cry game, but all Far Cry games are just decent. I love them all, yeah. but they're just fine yeah. games. This, But this soundtrack, in my opinion, started a whole like movement with this genre. Like I think this was... Popularized, before. but yeah. I, yeah, whatever. Popularized. I think this game, this was hugely influential to release this. Yeah. And definitely. I remember when I first started, I was just like, oh my God, it's just stunning. I love this. So, yeah. Awesome choice. There, that was. I didn't even think about that, but that's such a good choice. That, yeah, good one, Kev. Thank you. Um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna reach way back in time. Let me let me find the track here. I mean, like literally, really, really far back in time. Like before either of you were born, I was playing video games apparently, and uh, this video game does not have a great reputation. However, I think it has possibly one of the most uh awesome pieces you got you guys get the link mm -hmm. yep okay this is this is zelda 2 the adventures of link a notoriously kind of shitty game what shigeru Miyamoto's like one real fuck up i guess uh and, but this the palace theme it it has played in my head my entire life at moments that have nothing to do no thoughts about the video game it just starts playing in my head like, I don't know why, it's just, it's part of my, like, DNA, my musical DNA for some reason, so. Uh, very, yeah. very lo-fi. Yeah. This, it's awesome. Uh, I've heard but, this song, even though it's, I haven't it's, played so this game. This song plays in Smash Brothers Melee on the on the Link's Castle theme, so oh, a ton right. of people have heard, heard it. it. And I didn't that's even know, good. I was like, this, what, this, this isn't from Zelda, I don't know this song. But I, I always liked it. I was like, this is a great track. That's so, so funny. It is widely considered to be one of the best pieces of music, like of the eight-bit era. So it's not; it's it, it gets recycled a lot. Uh, the composer's name was Akito Natakasuka, and he's not actually one of the big heavy hitters from Nintendo. He kind of kind of one of their B composers, but it's strange because this is such a good one. He did Excite Bike and Ice Climbers and Punch Out, Pilot Wing '64. Mm. Not a lot recently, though. Like his, his most recent track was like was Super Smash Brothers, and I think it was just this song like recycled, so he like got a credit for it. Um, but uh, yeah, de like just one of the most influential pieces of music that I go back and listen to all the time. Kind of ridiculous. I don't know. I love it. Uh, it's Orin, great. What, what do you got? So this is a weird one because uh, this is actually I'm gonna share a link not from the game. Okay. But it's a song from the game. And this is the one that might potentially piss you guys off. But the song doesn't really start until the 40-second mark. So just, like, fast okay. forward to 40 seconds. Okay. Um, but uh, I'm going to put it in the chats and just go to the time code of 40 seconds and listen from there. All right. <laughs> this is going to be the one that pisses you, you guys oh, off. Oh, I know exactly what this is. Uh, <laughs> I, know where you, I know where you're going. You're such a troll, dude really are sorry you, you really are. <laughs> uh yeah so 
Ennio Morricone, John Baez. Uh, this is this is going to be from Metal Gear Solid Five, not the Phantom <laughs> Pain though. The uh, what's what's the other one? Uh, Ground Zeroes. But Ground Zeroes. Yeah. Zeroes? It's the, yeah. It plays oh, the very it does. beginning. You're right. During that long one cut. Yeah. That intro was no. awesome. I remember. That's right. You're right. This does yeah. play. Yeah. No. This is an incredible song. I mean, Ennio Morricone. Like, both of these are like renowned film composers. Um, <clears throat> also a great song to run to because it just keeps building. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could see why you would say this is better than the game. Particularly that game is, is good, but uh, it's not the Phantom Paint, no. Uh, but <laughs> And also, you know, yeah. Marconi. Well, like, speaking specifically of Ground Zeroes, which I like, it's a good mm-hmm. game. Um, it's just, uh, you know... They o- they oversell how cool that villain's gonna be, but he ends up being a total doofus, the skull face guy. Yeah, it's true. And I agree. Uh, it just kind of feels like a lot of filler, and even though it's still fun. But that song and how they use it is so epic in, in that game specifically. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, That's that, a good pick. It's a good pick it, for sure. It's 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 a great song. It's also in the movie The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which I feel we like, we can agree. Oh, like yeah. Kojima just does cool. Like he just knows it. Like he can sell anything, right? Yeah, I mean David Bowie. Like yeah. I, honestly, at Metal Gear Solid Five, I think a lot of my enjoyment of that game comes from the music and how it's implemented in the game. Like the fact that you could play like fucking. David Bowie and put it to your chopper as it's annihilating stuff. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Hell yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Great pick. Great pick. Kevin, cue us up here, buddy. All right. This is such a good pick. Kevin, what, what is this? Uh, this is the original Star Fox on the SNES, which, by the way, I wow. also think is a great game. But this song is just like the epitome to me of like being a kid, playing a 16-bit game that you love, and it's just so like full of wonder and, and mystery. It's amazing. It's such a good like nostalgia song. I, and I, those like uh, arpeggios are like also common in 8-bit games, but I feel like the way that it's sold in this song is just so perfect. Like it just it's perfect. Yeah. It's very yeah. nice. I, I think uh, the series in general, the music is just way better than the yeah. play, the Star Fox games. But oh, such a good song. What a what a great pick. God, this, I'm just like loving this. I haven't heard this in a while. I listen to it a lot. I love this song in particular. The whole game soundtrack is great, but this song I think is just magic. Alright. Uh shockingly you and I did not have any overlap like I, I thought we might on this one this uh, this next game has is a game that I think that the soundtrack is like a lot better than the game I think the game is probably one of the worst in, in its series it's it's a pretty storied series though and the composer is is really well known uh, so go ahead and click on that, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so I intentionally didn't pick one from this game because I was worried that we would. <laughs> yeah, no, good, good, good call, good call. Mm. I could have picked a lot of songs from this soundtrack because the soundtrack is just like banger after banger after banger. But this is Final Fantasy VIII: Blue Fields. It's the open world theme. Very nice. The first time I heard it, I didn't like it. I remember being like, "This doesn't sound like Final Fantasy VII." Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's grown on me. And throughout my life, when I'm like traveling in particular, 
and I'm like walking in a strange place, I just hear this in my head, just kind of like coloring my experience. It's like wow. such an evocative theme of like wonder and mystery, and oh, it's so good. And the game's not good. It's not a bad <laughs> game. No, it, it, it's true. This, is, this and this is a really good pick. This is one of the best songs in the game. It's no question. I love this song. It's so. It's this song in particular is so Final Fantasy VIII. Like this song yeah. just captures the game completely, the feeling of it and the vibe. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I really, really love this song. I, I was tempted it's to pick Eyes on Me. They actually had a pop song for the final credits. That like, there's so much good music in this game, and it's it sucks because it's such a, it's it's a mediocre Final Fantasy game even for the the PSX 16-bit eras. Um, it's true. But uh, the soundtrack's like the probably is... maybe the best Final Fantasy soundtrack. I almost think it might be. Is eight's music. Yeah. And I love sevens of this team. Oh yeah. What about the doom 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 doom? So wait, are we having the, a third one? Because I, I have I have another song. That Final Fantasy song Honestly, I, remember. I could play this game all day to be <laughs> honest. But um, <laughs> are we doing a third uh, song or no? Yeah, uh, I don't have a third song, but go for it. Can I post a third you song? Got one. Yeah, yeah, post a third I song. I also think this song is awesome. it's just incredible, and I, I don't even like this game that much anymore. But the song is just so good. This is uh, Revenge of the Shinobi, uh, composed oh, by the. <laughs> Incredible Yuzo Koshiro. Um, and this song is so good. Can listen to it? Okay. Oh, dude, this is some fucking Genesis shit. It's as Genesis as it gets. Oh my god. It's so yeah. 90s. Come on, though. Isn't this like. Yeah. This is so yeah, good, this right? This is good. It's a song that plays when you fight in the Samurai Village. You fight the enemy ninjas in Samurai as a ninja yourself. It's kind of like. A, it just sounds so. Uh, of this era, uh, like Japanese composed music, uh, I love it. That's real good. And the game itself uh, is really okay. <laughs> I don't love the game. I played it as a kid. It was one of the first six games I ever owned, but it's oh, too yeah. hard. The first six games you ever owned, you say? Yeah. <laughs> why would you clump six? Why would you say the first six games you? Ever owned? Because they came on the Sega six pack, which were six yeah. games all together. Which was one of them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh man. That, so this, yeah, that's a it's a good track, right? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great track. I love it. I probably could play this game hard enough for real, so. <laughs> I don't know if I could play that game for very long. I I, I, don't, I don't think I, I don't think those games are for me. I keep wanting them to be Ninja Gaiden and they're not. They're like definitely not Ninja Gaiden. Like oh, what I mean game bit. the music game. <laughs> oh, the music, yeah, dude, shit. I could play all this music all day. Yeah, guys, so. I, I found another one just out of nowhere that is like incredible. But mm. The game is very okay. Are you guys ready? Yeah, throw it down, throw it down. It's just beautiful music, but the game. Is ah, Final <laughs> Fantasy 15. Yep. Yeah, 14. Yeah, yeah. But the music, yeah, you should play this. This is really good too. It's so good. So, um, oh, this is real good. Yoko Shinomura, the composer of this game, of this game. The Street Fighter 2 composer. Huh. Did you know that? I did not know that. Did but not yeah, know that. It, it's so weird because when I was playing this game, I was like, man, the story is stupid. The open world is stupid. Everything is stupid. But like every now and then, like that song would come on in the open world, and I'm like, whoa, I'm being lifted out of my seat all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Just, the soundtrack like, is insane, so, this game. It's so majestic. It, it, it's so jarring, too, because it's like, 
this majestic move music, and then all of a sudden, Ignis will be go will just say like, "It's time for a new recipe." Yeah, it's just like trash. <laughs> ah, but I've discovered a new. <laughs> I I actually really like the cheesy characterization of that game. Like the one-dimensional party members, I think are actually great. Yeah, but I feel like that soundtrack belongs in a game that's as majestic as what that soundtrack is. I doing. agree. I felt yeah. like the room was the same thing. The room has this like really majestic soundtrack, the movie. But the oh, movie yeah. is just ridiculous. It's just such a silly movie. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Can I do one more or is it or no more? You can do one more, yeah, sure. No, this is fun. Okay. It's uh, gonna be a long like, list in the It's show like notes, which but... one should I pick of all of these? Is really the question because every song in this game is good. I actually think this game has one of the best soundtracks ever, and I know that's ridiculous, but uh, God, which song to pick? Let me let me hang on. Give me like a moment here. I think I think it's gonna have to be this one. <clears throat> it's one of those games I listen to the soundtrack all the time. Yeah. This this almost sounds like like Castlevania or something like there's it this does. like it does but this song like it starts off with this like heavy stringed piece right now and then it goes into like it's like acoustic guitar and kind of like jazzy stuff like this the composer was just going all over the place with this with the soundtrack this game has every level has really good music in this game all of them. Hmm. the music is just I listen to the soundtrack in this, this game is... all the time. Tenchu Stealth Assassins. Tenchu Stealth Assassins. The, the yeah. first stealth game ever made. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, spiritual successor Sekiro is much better, but yeah. I mean, listen to this. Oh yeah. It's awesome, right? This is like post Genesis, basically sounding music. Like if yeah. that was a genre, it's got that funky bass. Yeah, this might actually be the first 3D stealth game. This came out in February. 26th. Uh, it's a good game. See, it's a flawed game. It's hard to play oh, now. God, it's, it's not a good game anymore. I think it sold but. its like tone really well. It has some of the most hilarious, incredible voice acting ever. <laughs> and like it felt like a, a, a believable ninja game at the time. Yeah. My favorite... Good choice. Uh, you already said this, but my favorite Tenchu game is Sekiro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Hmm. Anyways, all right, guys. Well, that was fun. We'll have to do that something like that again. Good picks, good picks all around. Strong, strong musical choices. I'm proud of you all. You brought your A game today. Uh, let's let's get into recommendations, and then we're gonna get out of here. It's a little shorter pod. Wow, ninety minutes. Are we, are, let's see if we can stretch it out for another forty five minutes, Alwyn. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> did you guys ever see uh, that Tim Heidecker stand-up they did recently with the uh, opera bit? It's just like, uh, anyway, you guys should watch that. But he goes like, shut the fuck up. It's like a, it's like a comedian losing, losing his, his sanity. It's cool. Continuously. Like he's just, it's a continuous botch. Basically. It's like a comedian's worst day. It's his, that, that, right? Yeah. It's, it's That's basically yeah. just him doing bad stand-up. It's, it's, yeah. But it's, it's funny because it's bad. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh Kevin, you want to you want to start us off in this one? Sure. So I have two uh recommendations. One of them one of them I had already so I watched two okay, I watched three movies recently. <laughs> nice. Uh two of them I loved, one of them I thought was fine. Uh mm. three movies I watched were uh The Exorcist, which was okay. 
I watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers from the late 70s, which I thought was really good. And then I yeah. rewatched Rosemary's Baby, which was even better and scarier watching it again. I was like, oh my God, that movie. That is a tense movie. Watching that, Rosemary's Baby, I was like, God, this is like hereditary. I took a lot from this movie. <laughs> like, this is, this yeah. is, like, this, this was, this laid the groundwork a lot for it. But, um, I was really, uh, impressed with Evasion of the Body Snatchers. I, I had, I didn't think it was going to be as creepy as it was because it really was creepy. And, um, it felt like the premise is like if the thing, like, left the Arctic base. That's like what it reminds me of. It's mm. like kind of the same idea. Like, you don't know who you can trust, like, who, who may have turned or not. I haven't seen They Live. I think it's also kind of a similar premise. Oh, They Live but, um, so They Live is amazing. And basically, the Bicentrus was really creepy. I felt like, <laughs> like unnerved when watching it the whole like the whole time. It kind of just gets it keeps getting like weirder and weirder, and just kind of like it's just this, you know, train of just I don't know. It just it just felt uh, it felt it felt creepy to me. Um, I felt like the Exorcist was not 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 super amazing for me. It was okay. I felt like. It just wasn't that creepy, or didn't really. It was kind of lacking in the horror element, I guess, is how I felt about it. Have you guys seen The Exorcist? What do you think of it? I, I kind of feel. I kind of feel the same way. I mean, okay. it's. Uh, I like it. I, li- I like it well enough, but uh, yeah, Rosemary's Baby. I think what I love about Rosemary's Baby is, like, the most terrifying moment in that movie, is Mia Farrow's face when she sees the baby. Like that part is like horrifying to me, like the expression on her face. Um, but yeah. yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like, yeah, I like I love the uh, Rosemary's Baby, and I love Invasion of the Body Snatchers, especially the one that the version you watched. And uh, I'm kind of chill on The Exorcist. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, it was when bad I was growing anyway, up, I would but... ask my dad. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So I just was looking at like a, a list of like greatest horror movies. Like what you know, what what are the like, what are the magazines and things say? And almost every list puts Shining at number one, mm. but The Exorcist is like number two or three. Like it's very hmm. common, so it must have been really influential. Like whether the movie itself has aged well, it must have just been a really important piece of art at the time. I think. Yeah. That it, yeah. that was I had heard that was the scariest movie of all time when I was a kid. When I watched it, I was kind of like. I felt pretty underwhelmed. I was mm. I was surprised she how puked. underwhelmed I was because I, I thought it was just going to be more cheesy, but it it was just kind of yeah. cheesy and it didn't feel scary. But it wasn't bad. Yeah. It was well made. Hmm. But I don't know. I think it was a time and place kind of thing for but sure. But man, Rosemary's Baby, whew, with the, with her husband. Oh yeah. And the fact that he's like, and she feels you. They the, Roman Polanski makes you feel so. He puts the audience and you feel so vulnerable in that movie with with rosemary the whole time it's just so ugh, that movie is dude the best horror movies are all about like interpersonal familial relationships like corroding breaking down being unreliable right the shining uh the brood by called? david cronenberg yeah hereditary fucking mid-summer. the fly too the, the fly, fly yeah um <laughs> also i think the thing if it's not a family but like it's all about they can't trust each other like who can you trust you know it's, mm-hmm. it's very uh yeah, it became very personal yeah. in that movie too. Yeah, yeah. Good Rex, man. Good Rex. Uh, I'm gonna go real quick because Oren's got a lot, man. There's a lot of words in your section, but uh, I, too. Uh, I watched a show which, which since I've watched it, has become like like uh, I guess I'm just doing the interesting thing. I'll just shut up. The Bear on it's on FX Hulu. It's uh, it's a TV show. 
It's only eight episodes long, but 30 minute episodes. It's about working in a kitchen, but it's it's like more specifically about a guy whose brother uh, played really well in a in a brief cameo by John Bernthal. It's like the year of John Bernthal's just like oh, no having way. these like crazy moments. But uh, his brother commits suicide and leaves him a, a an Italian beef uh, joint in Chicago. So he goes back home after working at all these restaurants to work in this this little grimy Italian beef joint in the Northern Loop, which is presented as like a, kind of a gangland in the show, but in the North Loop, as 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 uh, Orrin can attest to, is is not not exactly where the gangs hang out. <laughs> but uh, in any case, it's uh, it, it's it's like such a tense, well written show. Um, really good acting really good casting for somebody like myself who has worked in restaurants in the past really captures the sort of unrelenting stress and pressure that you feel when you're working at a restaurant it has this sort of like uncut gems the movie uncut gems quality of that like constantly building tension um good writing just really good casting like the casting is like 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 i think if you take something that has just like perfect casting and like other things could fall could falter a little bit and it's still going to be great and this just has like 10 out of 10 casting so strongly recommend the show it's a quick watch it's one of those things you'll get through real quick but uh it's the bear on hulu and and uh fx is it by the guys who did shameless or is it like its own thing i I don't know oh i don't know if it has any relation i know maddie matheson the like chef influencer dude he's in the show and he uh from vice he he's had something to do with it but i don't know i don't really know who else what their uh their roots are Hmm. chicago represent yeah it's about italian beefs come on my favorite fucking sandwich so (laughs) it's uh it's good good. well i guess i'll go next then um so i have two recommendations uh my first recommendation is nathan fielder's the rehearsal on hbo max which uh, I've said in the past that Better Call Saul is the best show on TV many times. Uh, I think the rehearsal could be better in just, like, the amount of, like, holy shit moments this show has. It's so hard to describe, but have you guys seen the movie Synecdoche, New York? Uh, with Love it, yeah. It, it's basically that, but if it were a documentary. Uh, Nathan Fielder, he's this comedian and documentary Hmm. filmmaker who basically what he wants to do is he wants to solve real life problems with people but the way he does it is that he'll like for example in the first episode this guy that he meets online uh he has been lying about his his grad school degree to his friends and he doesn't know how to tell them that he's been lying this whole time like he's too afraid um, and basically, like every day, this guy goes to the Alligator Lounge in Brooklyn and uh, plays a trivia game with with his best friend, who he's been lying to about his grad school deg- degree for years. So Nathan Fielder, to help him rehearse this moment that he tells this uh, his friend that he's been lying this whole time, he reconstructs the entire Alligator Lounge in a garage and populates it with actors. And they rehearse the scene over and over again to to account for every variable for when this guy is going to, in real life, Whoa. eventually admit or like that he's been lying this whole time. It, it, does that make sense? That's what the show is. 
yeah, I see the Synecdoche, New York <clears throat> connection too. Um, it's crazy. Like they, they hmm. there's like another episode where he uh, wants to help this woman um, kind of show what her life would be like, like if she had a kid. So they reconstruct an entire house and then they have like a child actor that they swap out every like, like few hours. That's and like every time they swap the child out, it's like a few months older to get, hmm. to simulate the feeling that she is raising a kid throughout her entire life. And hmm. it's it's just a wild fucking show. But it's hmm. but like but then it goes like layer like layers deeper. And I don't want to spoil too much, but it, it becomes like what is fiction? What is real? Like how these people are able to confront their problems through fiction and through this docudrama and then it becomes really introspective about Nathan Fielder and why he's doing it, 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 yeah. it it's a wild it, it, it takes documentary and like the manipulation inherent in documentary just to another level it's, it's a wild fucking show I, I highly recommend it it's only uh, six episodes two of the episodes haven't aired yet but the four hmm. that I've watched are like this is the craziest television I've ever seen. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, the movie The Act of Killing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie um, where they like reenact where this guy goes to Indonesia and reenacts with like actual killers of the state, like uh, the killings that they did um, in Indonesia. It's like that kind of same thing where it's like, wow, like getting people hmm. to agree to this and reenact and rehearse stuff. It's wild. Um, hmm. But anyway, that's uh, the rehearsal on HBO Max. And then my other uh, easier to recommend uh, recommendation is the new Jordan Peele movie Nope, which I uh, I thought was really great. It's a really it was a really great movie theater experience. Um, it kind of reminded me of like a 2007 era movie like There Will Be Blood or um, hmm. The Assassination of Jesse James, where it's like. Jordan Peele just has these giant compositions of, gosh, hmm. I, I, I can't remember where they shot. It looked like Montana. I couldn't tell. But these giant shots of these amazing landscapes. But he uses it to uh, to fit the horror genre. And you'll see what I mean when you see it. But it, it was a great movie theater experience. Uh, I, highly, I highly recommend Nope by Jordan Peele. Good movie. Nice. Awesome. Was it as good as uh, Get Out, you think? I think I think I like it more. I think I'm on okay. the fence where it, like I, I really loved Get Out as a satire, but not really as a horror movie. Like I didn't think it was particularly scary, but I thought it was really funny and I was laughing the whole time. And his hmm. second movie Us didn't really click with me. Like uh, it just it just didn't click. Uh, maybe I need to see it again, but um, it just felt kind of muddled to me. Uh, nope has moments in it that are so like actually unsettling to me. Maybe it just, hmm. he was just pressing my buttons specifically, but there were, there are a couple of moments where I was like, wow, this is just incredibly like, I feel like I'm living in a nightmare right now. Um, nice. Sounds so good. it was really cool. It was a really, especially great to watch in a movie theater. Like it really feels like he shot the movie for a movie theater with his wide ass competent compositions. Nice. That sounds good. I, yeah, I, sound good. Both of those sound really good, actually. Um, it's weird, though, because neither of these involved a lens specifically on lease from NASA to film things in low light. Or uh, I thought I was going to hear some some hype about, uh, uh, you know, 
a brand new movie from Stanley Kubrick. Oh, I deleted this from the show notes, but I rewatched Barry Lyndon um, for the first mm. time in like over a decade by Stanley Kubrick. And I think that's his best movie. Um, I'm just going to, I know that it's hard to pick because he's done Eyes Wide Shut, which is like the best movie ever, 2001, which is the best movie ever, Shining, etc. But uh, yeah. but man, Barry Lyndon. Barry, yeah, the duel at the end, Lord Bullington is a character. I, I think what I love about Stanley Kubrick is that he just makes humanity and its quarrels so stupid. You know, like, mm-hmm. he makes everything look stupid. Like, he makes warfare look stupid. Like, he makes, like, even all of, like, the rich aristocrats and, like, how much makeup they have. He's like, this is stupid. And uh, <laughs> I just think it's amazing that Stanley Kubrick is able to do that by doing so little. Um, like, Full Metal Jacket's another movie where it's, like, the Vietnam War is stupid. <laughs> and he just mm-hmm. he, he's just able to expose that with, like, really simple blocking and... Well, not like really complex blocking and framing, but it's just he's able to make th- like certain social uh, concepts or just like certain like things that we do, stupid things we do as humans. Like at the end of the day, we're all just like apes fighting over bones and food like 2001 A Space Odyssey. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But anyway, I highly re- recommend rewatching Barry Lyndon, especially if you have a giant ass 4K TV. And a, a Blu-ray. Yeah, um, I, do, I get that actually. on Blu-ray. I guess Blu-ray is like it's got to be the the new Blu-ray now with the HDR and the for fuck. It's never enough. It's never enough. What am never I going to do? Enough. With this box of, of DVDs like, I've got. How many of his movies I've seen and how many I haven't I've seen? Probably four of his movies. Have you seen, I've seen Spartacus as well? I've seen five of them. That movie sucks. Uh, Spart- Spartacus, Spartacus, Spartacus isn't like a proper Kubrick movie. That was before <laughs> no. he became Stanley Kubrick. Like it was, it wasn't really until uh, like Paths of Glory, maybe The Killing, but really Paths of Glory, where he like turns into Stanley Kubrick. Um, but Paths of Glory is incredible. Great movie. Uh, that is a great movie. All of his movies are the best movie ever made. So that's just kind of how it goes, except for Spartacus, which is trash. Um, <laughs> but that is a Kirk Douglas movie. <laughs> so good. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I feel like I'm gonna have to. If I had to pick one, like maybe it's recency bias, but like Barry Lyndon, like every second of that. Or I don't I think recency bias affects you at all. I don't. I don't think that you're. I don't think you have any problems with recency bias. Shut the fuck up. Uh, Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. No, I, I, I think you're immune to it. I think it's it's amazing. I wish we. Uh, yeah. No. But Barry Lyndon is is sumptuous. It's it's such a beautiful movie. Um. But yeah, literally, they took a, a lens from NASA to be able to film in such low candlelight and get these like exceptional, exquisite compositions. I don't know how he did it. Uh, it's 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 amazing. So um, I, I also love the acting in the movie because like the whole thing about the movie is that it was like you know the aristocracy, so like people couldn't express their emotions as they wanted to. So you feel so much emotion simmering beneath everything. Like there's there's like a scene where. Uh, the main character is like gambling and like the person that he's going to end up, you know, being with is across the table and they're just like looking at each other and you can tell that they're in love, like that they're falling in love, but it's so subtle and the emotions are so repressed, but it, it, it just through the glance, he's able to capture like the romantic tension. It's, I, it's incredible. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so good. What were you going to say, Kev? 
Uh, I was just going to say that um, I remember my friend was telling me about Eyes Wide Shut. He was saying that it had Tom Cruise. And for some reason, I mistook that as Tom Hanks. So he was telling me about all these scenes in the movie, and I was just imagining <laughs> Tom Hanks in them. <laughs> it was just uh, like, and I, was, yeah. I was like, oh, Tom Cruise. I thought you said Tom Hanks. He's like, no, that would have been incredible. That, this would have been yeah. the best movie ever made if it was Tom Hanks in the movie. Eyes Wide Gump. Um. <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut is so good. So many people like write that one off, but that one is incredible too. Like, it's It's very good. Yeah. And some reason I think it's funny when the wrong actors are in <clears throat> movies. Like on On Cinema, uh, Tim Heidecker set describing uh, The Hobbit as um, starring uh, Morgan Freeman by accident <laughs> <laughs> instead of Mark Freeman. <laughs> or like in that one Oscars uh, special when Tim Heidecker's like, yeah, it's kind of like the Fast and the Furious movie starring Adam Driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about this one movie that was directed by Tim Story, and he's like, "That should, I should find that director and have him direct a movie about me. It's like, I can't believe that's his name, Tim Story. Oh or God. like, uh, like, oh, yeah, it's cr- crazy that Jojo Rabbit got nominated. It's like the first animated movie to ever be nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> and they show like a picture of who framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Just garbage. Mm. <laughs> uh, that show is too funny. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Well, guys, it was uh, good to see your faces again. Yeah, you too. I had, I had a good time. Um, I think I think there's going to be more games to play in the near future. We're gonna have, we're gonna have more to talk about. But actually, we we had a pretty pretty meaty games segment there. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll just watch. We'll come back from two weeks, and I'll be like, uh, I I only played more Hitman Three, and that's it. That's all I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin will be like, I resubbed to WoW, and I, oh, that's all I played. Very I played see I played Sea of Thieves again. <laughs> okay all right uh madden we love you and uh we'll be back in two weeks thank you all for listening If you're next